frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. The Bronx is up and the battery's down. The people ride in a hole in the ground. New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. Hello, um, and welcome to Film Church Radio. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Lewis. And I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. Today, I picked the film On the Town from 1949, starring Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, Betty Garrett, Ann Miller, Jules Munchen, and Vera Allen. The film is co-directed by um, Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan, who you may know from Singing in the Rain. Um, This is um, a film that is a personal favorite of mine. Um, It showcases some of the biggest names in show business from that period. Um, It also includes catchy musical numbers, great performances, and on-location shooting of the Big Apple itself, which is always great to see in this time period. Um, It's a film that makes me smile. Um, And heading into October and all the spooky things we have planned here on the show, I thought this would be a really great palate cleanser for us. Um, The final pairing of Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra on screen is perhaps their best. But before we get into the film in detail, there's a few other things that we need to talk about. First of all, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Um, And, you know, we just love talking about movies. So the fact that anyone's listening is a huge boon to us. Um, So thank you so much for coming along, joining the church and listening to us talk about movies. If you've been watching the same films that we've been watching and are keeping up, let us know wherever you listen. Send us a tweet comment on our Instagram post, let us know what you think of the film that we um, that is the feature of the episode. We'd really love to hear from everyone out there and what you're uh, thinking of the films that we watch, if you agree with us, if you don't. Um, it's all good. Um, you can find us on all those platforms at Film Church Radio. Um, and like I said, you can leave us a comment, send a message about the show, whatever. Um, and we are now streaming on all good podcast platforms, so Go and leave us a rating and review. Let other people find us quick. Um, that would be great. And obviously, as we always say, we've got our YouTube over there as well where you can find full episodes of the show, um, little tidbits that we haven't put on the show. Um, and there is um, a couple of live videos. So you can see our faces. We talk about what we've been watching and going in-depth in certain things. So head over there, check us out, come back, listen to the full show. Um, thank you again for listening. It means a lot. Um, the film today, as I mentioned, is on the town, and we are going to talk about that in great detail very soon. Um, but before we do, we like to discuss the other films that we've been watching this week, because as you know, one film a week is just doesn't cut it. It's just not enough. Never enough. Never enough. So, Brendan, hello. 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 Um, yeah, what have you been watching? <laughs> uh, I have been watching or re-watching the Clerks movies from Kevin Smith. And I also went and saw Clerks 3, as yeah. you know, because we've been texting a little bit about it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I wanted to do like a, you know, just a single like film church review of Clerks 3 
Um, and I might still do that. Uh, but I've been, uh, I don't know, just reflecting on, on all the, all of these movies. Cause like Kevin Smith is, um, is one of my favorite directors. Uh, I first saw the first two clerks films back to back, um, back when I was working at, um, Carmike cinemas and Nacogdoches and, uh, my manager let me borrow both of them. So clerks is, is a film that I have so much appreciation for because of the way that it was made. Uh, and because it's a great film, like it's a, it's a film that, uh, for its time, not a lot of people had seen anything like it because it's just people working in a convenience store talking. Um, but it's, you know, as boring as that sounds, it's not boring at all. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing that stands out to me in that first film is the writing, you know, like that's what's holding that film up and that's all kevin smith you know Mm -hmm. so right off the bat you can see the talent yeah and uh and just the fact that i mean it's kind of like uh you know every filmmaker's like fantasy uh what ended up happening with the making of that film because he he made it for i think a little over twenty five thousand dollars which he most of it was all on credit cards so you know if the film had didn't make any money he was going to be screwed yeah, and um, he ended up being like the story of how it ended up being sold is is pretty crazy, you know. And you can you can go find that online or in his book and stuff. But you know, long story short, he ended up selling it to Miramax for like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and then was able to. I mean, that just like launched yeah. his career. Mm-hmm. And what's really cool about his career is that he's brought every single person with him yeah like every everybody that's in clerks you can see them appear again in his other films and a lot of them you know were you know had no like big ambition of being in the movie business but like kevin brought him along with him and so i i love going back and watching clerks yeah um I mean, it's also shot on 16 millimeter black and white film, which, you know, I don't know if there's anything better than that. <laughs> uh, but um, it, Clerks 2, like, it, it had been a really long time since I had gone back and watched it. And um, I liked it a lot more than I remember liking yeah. it. Uh, it really, I, I, and maybe it's because I've, I've watched so much more Kevin Smith since the first time I saw these two films, but that film really works for me. Like, it's really funny. It like does the same thing of like, you know, uh, giving you the experience of, of working in a shitty job, you know, yeah. and like yeah. having coworkers that are annoying and, and that kind of thing. But then it We've also has, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And most people have, you know, and yeah. I think that's, that's part of the reason why people like, Kevin Smith's films and especially the clerks films because so many people relate to what it's like to work those shitty kind of jobs, you know, uh, and trying to make the day better or more tolerable by having interesting conversations or, you know, or 
you know, being stuck with a coworker that you don't particularly like and, and, you know, goofing off with them or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but you know, the, you know, when you think of Kevin Smith and you think of, of clerks, you kind of think of like the, the funny stuff. Like you, you kind of think of like, Oh, those are comedies. Those are like the films where they do like, you know, dick jokes and fart jokes and, and weed jokes and things like that. And, and, and I think a lot of people sometimes, even myself included, forget how much heart is in those films. Because, mm. like, you think about, like, the ending of the first Clerks and, um, you know, it's kind of about um, Dante. Well, like, the, just like that, the the rant that Randall goes on at the end of Clerks when he's, like, talking to Dante and Dante is, like, this realization of, like, you know, he's like complaining the whole time, but really he's in control of his destiny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, like there's still like this poignancy to like his films, you know what I mean? And like they mm-hmm. have, they have like these heartfelt characters and in Clerks 2, you know, you, there's some ridiculous stuff in there. I'm trying to like be not spoilery for anybody that hasn't seen these films. Yeah. There's some ridiculous stuff in there and that's kind of what you might remember, but it there is also like some heart to it you know yeah and then clerks 3 just kind of takes it to a whole nother level that i kind of didn't expect mm. um and i don't know why like it, i don't know why i didn't expect it but it it uh it really pushed pushed the characters to a whole nother dimension yeah you know what i mean and it's really uh, like Kevin Smith does this whole thing at the end of the movie. If you go see it, he he like talks during the credits about how uh, he what he loves about Clerks Three is getting to show people what the convenience store really looks like, kind of yeah. in color, you know, shot better, like kind of like adding more dimensions to it. But and it's not only the way it's shot, but it's like the way the characters are portrayed and the performances that like Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran give. Yeah. Just like it kind of blows, blew me away. You know, it's like they're, they're really funny in the other two movies, but man, like in this one, they're like, they, they've got real acting chops. Wow. That's cool. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and it, and it's also, I mean, Jay and silent Bob, you know, I also liked, I didn't like as much as, as Clerks 3, but, um, you know, they bring a lot of the characters back and stuff, obviously. Yeah. But Clerks 3 is more just about that tight group that's, like, from the first yeah. film. Um, so definitely go check it out if you can. It's, uh, you know, it only showed for a limited, like, week for the, um, yeah. like, under the Fathom events. So you by the time you listen to this podcast, you might not be able to go see it with the Fathom events anymore, but Kevin Smith is doing like a roadshow tour. Mm-hmm. So you can't like, if you go to the clerks three website, you can find out where he's going to be showing. If you're in Texas, I know he's coming to Dallas and to Austin, but I think the Austin show is already sold out. So that, that's something where you can actually go see the film in a theater where Kevin Smith will actually come out at the end and you can ask him questions and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would love to go to one. I have already seen him in person. So that's, you know, it, it's not a bucket list thing. It's like, I've already, I've, I've already gotten to do that, but man, this film was so good. Like 
I I might try to do it. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah, man, just it, it, it it's definitely something you should even if you've already seen Clerks 1 and 2, you should watch rewatch them again and then go see the third one cuz they yeah. it is it is all um one story. Yeah. I mean, you, know. you definitely not that you have to because I wanted to see it anyway, but you you're selling it because I think my biggest, you know, with the Jane Silent Bob stuff, my biggest, um, I guess, like nitpick with it is that I don't like them as like leads in a movie. Yeah, you know, when it's like I know Strike Back is really, um, is really you know, cool classic kind of thing. Yeah, um, but for the reboot and everything, um, it just didn't work for me. Like you said, they are R two D two and C three PO. Yeah. So it's yeah. like having a whole movie <laughs> of R2D2 yeah. and C3PO. You know, whereas this would be, I think, if everyone is used correctly, it, you know, it's what's great. I mean, Cloaks is a classic for a reason, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think with the Jay and Silent Bob movies, like you kind of have to think of them as just like hangout movies, like not yeah. really as like, you know, the cinema. Isn't, yeah. Yeah. This isn't like some kind of cinematic thing that's trying to achieve some something. It's just like, you know, it's a cameo movie, you yeah. know. It's like let's yeah. let's just have random scenes with. I mean, they're not random because there is a plot, but you know, scene after scene is like let's find someone else to like cameo here. Um, yeah. And you know, I guess part of the reason I enjoy those movies is just knowing that Kevin Smith is having so much fun. Like you yeah. can tell, you know, because yeah. he's like getting to work with, like, especially the first Jay and Silent Bob like those strike back one because you got to work with Carrie Fisher and like Mark Hamill, yeah. which is fucking Crazy. awesome. Yeah. Um, but there is, um, have you seen Jay and Silent Bob super groovy cartoon movie? I haven't. No, <laughs> it, it's really funny and it's all cartoon. So it's like, it, it kind of works really well yeah. in that space as you would expect, yeah. like any kind of like an RTD two C three PO show would yeah. be good as a cartoon, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember really liking that. I might have to go back and watch it, but yeah, man, that's my my clerk's rant. Go go check it out. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping that you know. I know that not seeing that seeing it in the cinema is the preferred way to see it, but I'm hoping that it comes to streaming relatively soon, which I yeah. assume that it probably will. I think that once the roadshow is done, they'll probably push it. I saw that um, a DVD like release. Twitter feed that I follow um, posted today that it's been slated for a December release on Blu-ray in the UK. Um, oh, wow. That's so, quick. Yeah, real quick. So I'm assuming yeah. we'll probably get it here before Christmas as well. Wow, um, that's Some awesome. kind of meet physical release, which is awesome, you know, because yeah. as we talked about in the Dogma episode, it was kind of, you know, the having a physical media copy, you never know when yeah. it's not going to be available. So... Yeah, it's, speaking uh, of which, I just listened to an interview with Kevin Smith and he, he talked about dogma and he said yeah. uh, the reason it's in a hiatus right now is because Harvey Weinstein owns the film personally. Like not just like oh, his damn. company. Yeah. But he like owns he, like yeah. He, yeah. And he's he's already reached out trying he's tried to buy the film back. Um and I, he said he even offered like up to a million dollars to like buy it back from him and he wouldn't yeah. do it. 
fucking it's asshole. Great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For what game? Um, yeah, exactly. It's like what, yeah. I mean, basically, like, once he dies, it's just going to go to his estate, and then yeah. I'm sure they'll sell it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, what, what are they going to do yeah. with it? But uh, hopefully he gets it back, man, because that, yeah. that would be cool. Uh, I mean, I'm excited to see what else he does. Uh, it sounds like he's going to do some more sequels, and he's got some more original ideas coming, um, which is yeah, cool. He just bought a movie theater Yeah, It Jersey. is cool that we're living in a... You know, because there was a period there where, especially when the podcast stuff was taken off, he kind of took a step back from making films and, yeah, you know, it wasn't on his radar anymore, you know. So yeah. the fact that he's, I mean, this is, what, four in the last five years? Three in the last five years? Movies? Yeah, I might be completely wrong, but I know that... Uh, I can't remember when all of his... Uh, yeah, I mean, there was... Reboot Tusk has been ago. Tusk was Tusk. in 2014 and then... yeah. Yoga Hosers was like 2016, maybe. Okay. There's kind of some gaps there. Because then he had yeah. like a heart attack, and then he did Jane and Silent Bob. Yeah. And then Clerks. Yeah. But yeah, it's only been a couple of years since Jane and Silent Bob. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's found a new uh, way to get films funded and um, distributed the way that he wants to. Because he's doing, this is the second time he's done like the road show. Well, he's done several roadshows, but he's done like the roadshow and the Fathom events, and yeah. then and then, uh, I mean, he said he said like the whole reason that he was able to get Clerks three made was because Jay and Silent Bob reboot did so well, and yeah, part of the DVD sales as well. Right? Yeah, and the DVD sales yeah. did really well, so they were like, if you have anything else that you want to do like this, let's you know, we've, that's awesome. We've got it. Let's go. Yeah, so I'll probably buy it on Blu-ray. I think I'll. You know, yeah. if that's if that's part of the way, because I know that Matt Damon recently was on, was he on Hot Ones or something? Um, and they were talking about like the kind of films that he was famous for, late 90s, you know, kind of adjacent. And he said that the, the reason that like adult dramas aren't being made anymore is because um, physical media releases used to like make up the deficit. So it would release yeah. in cinemas if it was like meh, you know, didn't quite break even, it would do with the DVD sales. Yeah. But now that everything's going to streaming, there's no sales. Yeah. So, like, they don't make the films because the, even if, you know, say if you make it for 20 million and you take 19.5 at the box office, it's a loss. Yeah. There's no other way to recoup that ever. Yeah. So it's like, he's like, we just, they just don't make films like that anymore that aren't going to go straight to streaming. So and it's such a shame. Sad. So yeah. yeah, whenever a filmmaker's like, yeah, DVD sales have like made made it so that I can buy a new film, I'm like, good because physical media is important, you know. Yeah. Um, if anybody out there needs someone to make badass um, artwork or things like that for uh, yeah. for DVDs, hit me up. I'll, I'll help you out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I mean I I think that that has something to do with it putting time and attention into you know having a reason to buy a physical copy, you know. Yeah. You and you know have, with Kevin like, Smith it's going to be there'll probably be a commentary, there'll be like an hour long documentary mm-hmm. that he made exactly. at the same time, you know. Yeah. It'll be worth it like the whole yeah. King Caboodle. Yeah. Whereas just the single disc, you know, film things just don't it's a shame, you know. I want that clerk's box set. Oh yeah, I don't know if there. I don't know if there yeah. is one, but 
because I know that through if you like order through the secret stash, everything is signed. Like he signs yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, I've got a Chase and Amy poster that he signed um, yeah. that I just bought from the secret stash. So, you know, there's, um, there's the market there. People will buy it. I mean, I'll buy a clerk's box set if he signs it, you know. Hell I'd yeah. probably buy it without, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, cool, man. Well, I have spent a long time talking. <laughs> what uh, what have you been watching? Um, yeah, so unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see Clerks 3. Um, would have really liked to try and make it, but as you know, life. Um, yeah. Which is a shame. Um, but I did go back, and um, for anyone that listened to our Oscar podcast, you would have known that I hopped on about this film quite a lot. Um, which is the worst person in the world. So from from last year, um, I rewatched it this week. Um, I think a lot. There's a Guillermo del Toro tweet um, that I talk about all the time, where he basically said like to watch a film once is to like flirt with it, to watch it twice or more is to like take it out to dinner and date it. Yeah. Um, and I think about that all the time because with how my watching habits are, I kind of watch a film and then instantly go on to something else I haven't seen. You know, it's all about watching as much as possible. Kind of yeah. getting all these films in and just watching as much. And then every now and again, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Let's go back and watch something that I really liked and see if it stands up, you know? Because yeah. there's so many times, if I hadn't gone back and watched American Beauty, I probably would still be saying it's my favorite film ever made, which it isn't anymore. <laughs> um Yeah. So there's always that interpretation there that changes. And I'd still had a really good time with it. It's funny. It's, you know, it's different. It, um, it's directed really well. The lead performances are really great. There's some really, really good set pieces in there. Um, and I gave it, again, four and a half out of five. Because when I was watching it, I was like, I don't think this is like five, you know, nailed on class. Well, it is really good, but it's not like into the top films ever made for me yet yeah and i was like i really hope i didn't give it five stars i'm gonna have to knock it down half a star and i didn't i gave it four and a half last time so i was on the same wavelength with myself with your as past amazing self. as that sounds yeah <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i recommend everybody going to watch films that you yeah like again and again. i'm gonna have to watch it I, I still it's been on my list i just haven't got around to it yeah yeah it's um it's good yeah. yeah it's really good um and then i've been in a real like silent film kind of mood um and especially with um harold lloyd who i talked about i think last week when i said uh-huh. i watched safety last maybe the week before um and i watched two more of his films this week i watched um the freshman um i'm not can't remember what year 1925 maybe I was wondering because I was like the freshman. That's that film with Marlon Brando and <laughs> Matthew Broderick. It's <laughs> like, did you actually watch that? No, I didn't. give it three and a half. Because <laughs> no, I gave no, it like yeah. one. One, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just loved. I just loved it. <laughs> um, no, it, it isn't that one. It is from 1925. Um, and it's, I think it's, it kind of held up as one of his greatest feature films. Um, based, he is a freshman who goes off to college. Hijinks ensue. Um, 
It's, I mean, it's not my favorite silent film. There's some really good set pieces in there that I found really funny. Um, there's a point where he's in a rush and he has to have a suit tailored. Um, and he runs out of time, basically, and the tailor's like, I'm going to come with you because the stitches won't hold. And there's like a 20-minute segment of him, like at a dance with like his arms being ripped off and then having to hide behind <laughs> curtains. So somebody stitches it back on and his legs and like his shirt rips and stuff. It's it's hard to explain, but it's done really, really well. Yeah. Um, and I had it on Blu-ray um, from ages ago, and I just never got around to watching it. So... Um, that was a first time watch and it was good. And I was watching some of the special features and there was an interview with um, Kevin Brownlow, who if anyone knows anything about silent film, Kevin Brownlow basically wrote a book in the sixties called the parades gone by. Um, and he was a huge silent film fan. And it kind of fallen off a little bit and he basically interviewed all these silent film directors, stars, cameramen, writers, all these people that had kind of been forgotten. You know, yeah. the industry had moved on and um, had left them behind. And he's, I mean, in my eyes, he's just, he's like in the pantheons of film gods because he, he, got, he, he got these people on record before they died. You know, he was mm, really close yeah. with Harold Lloyd. Um, like brought him to England to do like a huge tour and stuff. Um, he's credited with doing the documentaries on Chaplin where they discovered that he would do like 89 takes of a certain shot. Because they had, they found the footage that was scrapped, basically that he'd filmed and like kept redoing, wow. redoing it, redoing it till he got it right. So this guy Kevin Brownlow is just like huge, um, and he spent I think it's forty years putting a film back together, uh, Napoleon, wow. and managed to show it to the director before he died. It's incredible. Like Holy I would, crap. on your free time, look Kevin Brownlow I Napoleon about film. About that, that that's out. That's available now, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the full like five hour cut. Wow. Is it have Crazy. you watched it? I haven't. I own it. I just haven't found the time to like yeah. sit down because I want to watch it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And it, I think the end, maybe the last hour, um, it does it kind of splits into three. The director kind of it's like widescreen before there was widescreen. So we'd film uh, from okay. the left straight on and then from the right and then put them all together so it's like a full Yeah. Wide it's crazy. Um they but need yeah, to so, do like a showing of that at like one of those like forty cinemas, you know, that yeah, have the mm-hmm. the screens that are on that go yeah. to the wrap around or whatever. It'd be like incredible they need to do something special like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'd be there. Um, side note: I, I did find out that Texas Theater end of this month is showing Safety Last. Oh, nice! One night, yeah, yeah, with like a live score and stuff. So I'm gonna try and get to that. Um, but yeah, so I was watching the special features and there was an interview with Kevin Brownlow on there and he was like, you know, Freshman's really good. My favorite is his other film he did called For Heaven's Sake. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and watch that right now. <laughs> so I went and watched that. Um, plays a bit of a different character, Harold Lloyd. He's kind of, he's rich now compared to the other characters that he's played and he kind of marries um, someone that's opening a mission Um and it's all about like the lead up to the wedding day. Um, and it's, I mean, again, it's 50 minutes. It's really quick. The jokes are really good. Um, and it's like, I'm just enjoying discovering somebody who I hadn't really spent a lot of time with. Yeah. And Harold Lloyd. So it's a lot of fun. 
And they're all on HBO Max. Like the whole of his back catalog seems to be on HBO Max. Oh, nice. So um, if anyone's wanting 50 minutes of good slapstick comedy, HBO Max is the place to go. Hell yeah. (laughs) And that was it. Yeah, just a few Harold Lloyd and then worst person in the world. Cool. Yeah, dude. Um, Apart from a special feature film. Um, directed um, and released in 1949. We're going to be talking about On the Town. Um, dun, the tagline dun, 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 is... Dun, 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 dun. I should have sang it a little bit, but <laughs> as, as we both know, I can't sing. Um, <laughs> the tagline is... I don't is, know that. You, I mean, I'm sure I used to sing in Starbucks and it was terrible. <laughs> I don't remember you ever singing in Starbucks. But okay, good. Yeah. If, if you had, I would remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't have been very good. Um, the summary was, or is, they paint the town with joy. And the summary is three sailors, Gaby, Chip, and Ozzy, let loose on a 24-hour pass in New York, and the Big Apple will never be the same. Gaby falls head over heels for Miss Turn style of the month. He thinks she's a high society deb when she's really a cooch dancer at Coney Island. Innocent Chip gets hijacked, literally, by a lady cab driver. And Ozzy becomes the object of interest of a gorgeous anthropologist who thinks he's the perfect example of a prehistoric man. Wonderful music and terrific shots of New York at its best. So I know last week um, when I chose this, you said that you thought you had seen it. Yes, and I have not or had not seen it actually. I was thinking of Anchors Away. Yeah. Which is another Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra musical. With them as sailors. Year that, yeah, with them as sailors. Yeah. So when I saw the sailor outfits, I was like, I've seen this. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, 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 Not the same. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So first time. First time. Yeah. What did you think then? <laughs> um, it was it's good. It's it's uh Yeah, it took me a while to really kind of get in the the swing of the film. Yeah. I will admit I've been a kind of depressed lately, so it's like uh I don't know, musicals they're not usually my go-to. I I do love a lot of musicals, but it's like the ones that I like are like ones that I grew up watching. Yeah. Where like the music is ingrained in my life and my childhood or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So when I watch a musical now, unless the music is like really good, like this is like an album I would listen to. Yeah. I'm usually, I'm usually not like that keen on it you know Mm -hmm. um not that i hated the movie or anything but it does i i feel like to just watch just like a you know a regular musical off the shelf or whatever that you've never heard of you do have to be in the right like frame of mind or like Mm -hmm. mood or whatever i mean i mean yes and no i guess because like sometimes a movie can like take you out of you know, it can change your mood. Obviously that's kind of what filmmakers want to happen. They want to make you feel what they're wanting, you know, what they want you to feel. Um, but it took a minute for this film to like, cause it, it's a very like goofy movie. Mm -hmm. It's an extremely goofy movie. Yeah. It's, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, 
it's just like very quirky and like funny yeah um and not like your not like your typical romance musical you know no yeah um so it took me a while to i guess kind of get a feel for what i was actually watching you know what i mean yeah um and then i i ended up watching it again today and i liked it a lot better the second time i think because oh, i okay. i knew what to I, yeah. I knew what I was getting into, you know, and I knew that it was like going to be silly mm-hmm. and not, not really, you know, something you're supposed to take that seriously. Cause I mean, I, you know, last year I watched the umbrellas of Cherbourg and it was like the favorite, my favorite thing that I watched yeah. last year, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, um, which is a, a French musical and it's like, for me, that's like the best, Yeah, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I'm splitting hairs here, I think, but, (laughs) uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it's the third of three pairings that we got on the screen with Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra. The first was Anchors Away, um, where Frank Sinatra knew he couldn't dance and Gene Kelly kind of helped him through it a little bit. Um, and then... Um, is it Take Me Out to the Ball Game? Or maybe it's not called that. Let me have a look what it's called. The song? Um, yeah. Oh, the movie? There's a, yeah, the movie. The second movie they did, yeah, is Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, directed by Busley Berkeley, who was huge for musicals. Um, and then On the Town was the last one. Um, gotcha. Okay. Directed by, like I said, Gene Kelly and Stanley Donan. Who Stanley Donan um, directed Singing in the Rain, um, yeah, Funny Face, Charade, which I watched earlier this year. Um, some you know some really big heavy hitters in latter day Hollywood. Yeah. Um, well, what I want to know is like I you know so I kind of gave you my experience of watching it for yeah. the first time. I I think this is like your favorite musical, right? Because yeah, it's up there. Um. I actually remember us taught when we worked together uh, at Starbucks talking. I think I asked you what your favorite musical was mm. and, and it was, you said it was on the town. Um, so I'm holding you to that. Yeah, that I just know <laughs> but, singing uh, in the rains there as well. And I feel, <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's hard. It's hard to beat singing in the rain, but um what what is your experience with this movie like when did you did you grow up watching this like are the songs in this movie you know things that pop into your head every once in a while kind of okay thing? so i i didn't grow up watching it so chelsea is like as most people should be in love with gene kelly i mean ah, he's yeah. incredible um yeah. and a big fan and we watched singing in the rain a lot when we were kind of you know dating and first married um so in an effort to kind of I don't know, bring her into my world a little bit more and watch and have us watch these classic films together. I bought a box set of like Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra musicals. Okay. Um, obviously there was only three, um, this yeah. being one of them. And we watched it and I can just remember the um, the titular song on the town when they're on the top of the Empire State Building and like catch the lift all the way down. I had to rewind it and watch it again because I was like, that was incredible. You know, so, so good. And yeah. the the opening song that the three sailors sing, New York, New York, um, is <laughs> is ripped off by the Simpsons. 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hello, Lewis <laughs> Alert. He's, you know, back again. Um, but yeah, they do like a whole kind of parody of that. So I knew, I felt like I knew it. You know, I was like, oh, this is where that's from, you know, as soon as it starts. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just think, I mean, I just, I loved it straight away. And it, and that on the town number is one that I can go back um, and quite regularly do just pull it up on YouTube and watch it for a couple of minutes, you know. Right. When I think of it. Um, and I think that the, the, the best part of this for me is not, Gene Kelly is incredible, but it's the Frank Sinatra, Betty Garrett scenes that are just mm. the best, you know? Yeah. That's when it really sparkles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've watched it a few times since, and it's kind of one that I'll always, I'll always mention for people that want to watch like older films, you know? Yeah. Cause it's just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it shows, I think I watched it at a time in my life when I just moved to America and it shows mm. the New York that you want. It yeah, to exactly. Be. Yeah, it's I like was wondering. The, I was, I was wondering that. I was thinking about this film from your perspective. If yeah. it was, you know, I mean, New York, I've never been to New York. I've always wanted to go, but, but it's definitely like a, you know, I mean, they're only there for twenty four hours. Yeah, you know, and it, and it, they, they really try to show off all different mm. parts of the city and different types of uh, life there. Yeah, I guess. Um. So. Yeah, but also, how are they not dead by the end of this movie? Yeah, they like, don't sleep for 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, God. I, I absolutely love when Frank Sinatra is going through um, all the places he wants to visit, and he gives them 15 minutes in each place. And he's like, "Yeah, 9 o'clock Statue of Liberty, 9.15 uh-huh. you know, Central Park. Well, yeah, we're already, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like they can just <laughs> oh teleport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um but yeah, I mean, filmed on location in New York. Crazy. Which, yeah, I mean, I don't think any musical had ever attempted that before. They're very yeah. stagey films, you know. Um and you can tell like that opening number, it always catches me by surprise. I'm always like, oh crap, they're in New York, you know. Um, especially when they're in front of, is it Rockefeller? And you can see all the people behind them kind of watching them like perform the, the end of the number up yeah. on the balcony. Um, yeah, it's it's mind-blowing. And I know that obviously the big some of the big musical numbers like in the museum and stuff was obviously a set. Right. Um, but for the most part, I think when they're out on the streets and stuff, it's, it's, it's actual New York. New York. Yeah. That's that's kind of yeah that's kind of crazy, yeah. To be able to do that in that time. Now the the top of the uh, empire, they're at the Empire State Building, right? Yes. Um, that's a set. It's got to be. I mean, Ozzy's hanging off the end, the yeah, edge for yeah. a good pull. But it looks so. so damn good. I mean, like yeah, it 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 really like has depth to it and they you know you can tell the i mean the set designers they they put in you know like all the buildings in the background they have like lights in them yeah and you can like i was kind of picking it apart on my second watch because i was uh just trying to figure out how how they give this sense of depth that's in these shots you know of the city 
Um, and it looks like they maybe put in like layers, like they had, mm. you know, a layer of this, this part of the city, a layer of this part of the city to where it actually looks like it's, it's got that depth and things yeah. get further and further back. Cause there is a, there is a shot where the camera is moving from a higher angle to a lower angle. And if you look really close, you can actually see like a light bulb. Oh really? In between the, the layers of the city. Yeah. Um, Wow. I mean, you well, you can't actually see the bulb, but like the light gets yeah, so bright there that yeah. you can tell it's like a bulb or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so cool. And then there's another shot of them looking over the side, and then you see the the top of the building that looks really cool mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as well. And then that whole scene where he's um, uh, I forget what the character's name that, that's hanging over the side. Was also Aussie. just kind of yeah. Like I actually was like, oh my god. I know, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's uh, it's fake, but you know, it's still yeah, yeah, pretty you, tense. I, I think when it cuts to him and you realize kind of what's happening, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> your stomach <laughs> yeah. like drops. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, what did you think of the performances? Because I know that um, we've obviously got Gene Kelly, who we touched on mm-hmm. a little bit frank sinatra i mean have you seen sinatra in much because i mean i've saw him in anchors away i guess but you know not yeah. not in a ton you know and um he's not bad but no. he's not yeah. like he doesn't really stand out to me mm-hmm. you know yeah um i mean he doesn't really have anything not that he doesn't have anything to do. Obviously, he's doing a lot in the movie, but there's, I don't know. No, there was nothing, no scenes that really showed off any kind of like acting talent, yeah. in yeah. my opinion. You know what I mean? He's just kind of, you know, a character and, and he does a good job playing yeah. the character, but there's nothing like that stands out to me. Whereas like Gene Kelly, um, mm. he just like glows. It's insane, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just he's just he's. He, I mean, he was he's a movie star. Like he was meant yeah. to do this. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I don't know what that comes from. Just you know, the film Bizarre. gods or something. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, go ahead. I, I was gonna say the the characters that really stand out to me are the women. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Betty Garrett Which, is. like scene stealing yeah yeah Uh, i mean they just have it seems like they just have so much more depth to them as characters Mm -hmm. anyway yeah um and they just have more to do you know more yeah more to act you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I really love the, that re- that role reversal of, you know, when you think of sailors coming into port for 24 hours, it's kind of the connotations of, you know, loving people and leaving them. <laughs> right, yeah. PC. But um, in this, it's like the women are the ones that are just like sexually aggressive. Mm. They're like, yeah. you know, you're coming back to my house, whether you like it or not, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's such a weird. Role it is weird. It is. It is, yeah. it, it is like. Uh, it it and maybe that was part of the reason it was hard to take the film seriously at first. 
but it's not i mean like i said it's not necessarily it's it's a goofy kind of silly yeah, movie yeah. and so that that role reversal actually um does a lot to like question uh sexuality you know yeah mm-hmm. um so it's kind of cool um, i did i think for frank though i mean as soon as he starts singing you're like oh there like there it is there's the right. star factor when he's like you're awful, awful good to look at. You know, it's yeah. it's incredible. Yeah, that uh, now that you mentioned that scene, like that was that that's probably the best his best scene in the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I I can never get over how small he is. <laughs> how, like he's how he's short incredibly he is. skinny, incredibly short. You know, there's nothing of him. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. And just this uh, ginormous voice. Yeah. And now I want to know actually how tall he is. Because whenever people say, like, he's so short, uh, I'm always like, because I'm 5'6". So he's 5'7", so I'm short. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just next just, to Aussie. yeah yeah exactly i mean it's like it, it's funny this is kind of a side tangent but i was watching a basketball game one time and uh <laughs> every, like a lot of people that play basketball you know are tall yeah and there's this one really short guy out there i was like man that guy is so short and i like looked up how tall he was he's like 510 <laughs> 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 it's just compared to all the yeah, other guys it's crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah we also get um Florence Bates returned yeah. in this film mm-hmm. we talked about and Rebecca yeah if you want to go hear us talk about her job of the hut herself <laughs> <laughs> yeah with a bit of a a bit of a different accent this time she's uh is she Russian or middle or like eastern european maybe yeah, I I'd have to watch her scenes again to try to yeah. try to guess on it, but she's like a drunk. She's <laughs> like hiding the bottle. Yeah, another just insufferable person. <laughs> uh-huh. She's really good at it. She is really good at playing that role. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that she would be a lovely lovely person, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to be, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's keeping um, roles like that. Yeah, I almost didn't recognize her at first though. He kind of didn't click until I was kind of going through and having a look um, at these people, and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, it is the yeah. the old lady from Rebecca." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. And um, where is she? I've, there's somebody else as well. Um, Alice Pierce, who plays, um, is it Lucy, the roommate that's got a cold? Yes. She's someone that I feel I I know really well. And it's just from like Bewitched. I think she was like the next door neighbor Bewitched. But I feel I don't know whether the performance in this just left such an impression that I feel like I know her, you know. But as soon as she came on, I was like, Oh, I know this person. You know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's not she's a great role. Right, yeah. But I think they treat her really well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, by the end of it, I I think so. It, it's almost annoying at first that it's like, oh come on, the like the mm-hmm, ugly girl mm-hmm. shtick is like, 
Yeah. So overdone, but I think yeah. that the way the character progresses and then by the end of it, like, I mean, the Gene Kelly character, like, treats her really nice. Yeah. But, oh, man, like, the scene where he's, like, the friends I, come over yeah. and he's, like, holding yeah. her head down was, like, man, that is, like, so fucked up. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's not that ugly. I mean, she's, you know, not um, Vera Ellen, who yeah. plays Ivy Smith, but she's not, like, hideous. Yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> It's like, in what, like, situation, even if she was hideous or whatever, like, in yeah. what situation is like it, like, okay to, like... I know, yeah. ...shove someone's yeah. face yeah. away? Maybe you so should trying to shut her up. She was very annoying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just... Uh, but she was... She's great. She was a great actress. Mm-hmm. Her character was really funny. Um, her performance as well. Yeah. Um, and I feel sometimes I mean I feel like Vera Allen who played Ivy Smith um, is good to a point but the the trouble with these kind of leading female roles especially against Gene Kelly is that they need to be able to hold themselves when they dance to his ability Uh so quite often I I know I'm saying this without any kind of backing and people are going to be like you forgot about this person Um, but like the the acting is second to the dancing, yeah. And I feel like that's a little bit in this case for Vera Ellen. She's like she's a really incredible dancer, and the the numbers that she does are like are great. But I don't feel like she's as magnetic as Betty Garrett or Anne Miller, who play the other two female leads. Mm, yeah, and that's probably why maybe she gets less screen time. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, but I also don't understand why. I mean, they spend all this money on the production and sets and all this, you know, the actors and all this stuff. Why can't they get someone that can actually tap dance? (laughs) Oh, for the, for the like number at the end. Yeah. Or like, uh, yeah, I forget which number it is where she's like, is it her or is it the, so it's everybody else. So it's, so it's her and Gene Kelly that are dancing, but every other role in like the dream sequence is played by somebody else who can tap dance. Right. But uh, there's another, maybe it was at the museum. Mm. Uh, there's like a tap dance uh, sequence and like the tap dancing. Yeah, it was at the museum. The And it's, um, is it Ann Miller? Yeah. Uh, that's that they meet at the museum, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, and like the tap dancing is like the feature of the song, mm-hmm. but like you can tell obviously that I mean she's like mimicking the taps or whatever, but you can yeah. tell that they're not like the tapping in the song is way more. There's way more tapping in the song yeah. than she's actually doing with her feet, and it's just I mean that's just kind of a pet peeve of mine, I guess, to be like yeah. you know to be like. Okay, I can tell that it just takes me out of it. I mean, it's like, okay, yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously, there's also like m- instruments playing, the, you know, yeah. on the soundtrack. And I'm not like, hey, where's the band? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> how come the band isn't like yeah. behind them? You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm kind of yeah. being really picky with that. But it's like, but it's, I think it's more noticeable when it's like, 
it's like the feature of the song is the tap yeah. dancing and it's like yeah. I, and i don't know that much about tap dancing i mean she's wearing heels so it's like mm. can you actually tap dance in heels and that was the problem but like yeah, maybe not. i don't know you never know that i mean with it being hollywood like the 40s she might have just been contracted and there would have been like hey she can dance and she's on the payroll so this is who you get yeah you yeah. know um, yeah I mean, Gene, I assume most of the budget went on Kelly and Sinatra trying yeah. to, because Anchors Away was pretty popular, and I assume that that's probably why this was chosen for them both. Yeah. So, but yeah, you just, it's, you never really know. I think when people look a little bit out of place, it's probably a contact, contractual thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah but um so stanley donan who directed it this is his first credited directing gig wow lucky yeah he he knew sinatra he knew gene kelly on the stage kind of worked with him a little bit there and then met up with him in hollywood and became his like assistant for a while i think and then gradually kind of helped him like choreograph more and more and then became like co-director with him nice so they so co-directed this film. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I, when it said co-directed, I assumed that Kelly would take on the like the the musical numbers and kind of choreograph them, and then Donan would do the like the film plots. But I'm not sure if that is how it went down because I know that Kelly like did a lot of co- like the choreography for a lot of his films. So okay. the dance numbers that you see are kind of devised by him. Yeah. Um, just add into his list of talents. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much kind of collaboration it is. You know, whether it was Donan's film and kind of gave it over to Kelly to do the musical numbers or whether it was Kelly's film and he just wanted to give his friend a leg up at this point. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's definitely but, possible. I could definitely see that. Yeah. But Donna went on to have a very, very good career. Like I said, he, he directed a lot of really great films um, and really, really well-known films, you know. Um, Singing in the Rain, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, Two for the Road, um, wow. Funny Face, Charade. Crazy. Um, yeah, I've seen at least three of those. Yeah. Um, and, kind of, and he... You know, always open for interviews. He died in 2019, so I've seen a lot of kind of interviews with him in documentaries and stuff. I know that Mark Cousins, for his story of film, interviewed him extensively. So nice. He seems to have been around a while, you know, which he was. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Which was your favorite number, Brandon? I know that's putting you on the spot a bit, but which was your favorite <laughs> musical? Um... I don't know if I can answer that. I hated all of them. I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, maybe the rooftop one, you know, I like, it's not, I mean, obviously the, the one, the, the song that it like stuck in my head after watching it the first time was the New York, New York. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, so it's like the, the song that they're singing on the, it, I it's Empire State, right? Or is it? Yeah, it's not Chrysler. It's, I don't think it's Chrysler. I think it's okay. Empire State. 
Um, I think maybe that might. It's it's definitely my favorite set. Yeah. Of the the film, just because of like the sheer amount of detail in it. Um, but I don't know, man. It's like the you know, I I hate saying anything negative about any any film, but like it wasn't like none of the songs are like I don't know like the dance routines and stuff. They weren't. I don't know. They didn't blow me away or anything. You know what I mean? It was just kind of like, oh, it's. A, yeah. I mean, they were. It, it was more of just like they were. It's not like they were bad. They were just, you know, at a standard. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at a, at a good standard or whatever. So. Yeah. Um, and the the final. Like dance number, whenever he's like the. A day in New York. A, yeah, a comedy in three acts or whatever, and it goes into like the him imagining and it's like mm-hmm. abstract or whatever. I think I wanted that scene to be more interesting. Yeah, I mean the dancing is good, you know, yeah. and like Gene Kelly, like the dancing in that that scene is really good, like the, especially his dancing, but um. The set is very basic. You know, yeah. it's like two stages. Yeah. Like I want there to be more like vibrance, especially because mm-hmm. he's like in an imaginary scenario. Yeah. It's like that that was like I feel like it's just a missed opportunity to do some really cool set design lights. And maybe yeah. this was like thrown in at the last minute and they didn't have any money or something. Um, but it goes on for long enough to call attention to it, I think. And I'm going to surprise you a little bit because I completely agree with you. I think that that last number is where it kind of falls a bit flat before the big yeah. finale. Um, and I think the other problem with it is that it a similar thing is done in Singing in the Rain, and it's incredible. It's you know yeah. him imagining coming to Hollywood, and there's like you know gotta dance, and there's should um sid sharice like smoking on a cigarette and you know there's incredible dance moves there's like yeah it's to say it's kind of all abstract and a bit more you know impressionist i guess this is very one-dimensional yeah and i think the fact that gene kelly makes dancing look so easy that you it's hard to kind of to see how odd how hard it is does that make any sense yeah definitely like, yeah he does everything so smoothly and so well that it never looks like it's an effort so yeah. it's hard to see the just incredible precision that it would have taken yeah and i i'm not sure i feel like maybe that whole sequence was one shot possibly which which adds a, a level of you know, technical achievement. I don't yeah. know if it is. I don't think it is one shot though. I think there's a few minor cuts for like close ups and yeah stuff like that. But I know that Kelly really liked to just have the camera at a certain like distance and just kind of watch him. You know, yeah, it was never the action. intrusive. Yeah, it never kind of zoomed yeah. in on the feet. It was just. No you want to ups. see him as a whole, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, and I also watched The Red Shoes recently, mm. which is an amazing musical with like a lot of abstract stuff and the sets yeah. are just like mind blowing and trippy. It's f- yeah. It's a film it's- I don't love. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But uh I mean comparatively it's like I mean it, I love like the trippy sequences and stuff. And so yeah. it's like, you know, this and the set design of that movie. So it's like I don't know. It, it's hard to it's hard to beat it. Yeah. Um, Oh, no. It's kind of weird when like a musical needs all of this extra stuff to like hold it up hmm. when it's like really should just be the music. Yeah. A lot of the times, I don't know. But what can you do? I mean, it's like, I mean, it's this, it's this, you know, we talked about this, I think last week or the week before, like yeah. with any of these genres where you had just like an explosive amount of films being made in that genre, you know, there's going to be ones that are just like not as great or just like money grabbers or, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, it's like, not not that this is necessarily one of those films, but I think a film can, you know, when you're working at a a big studio level, you can get to a point where it's like, ah, well, we don't have to do much with this scene because this movie will make money anyway. Mm. Instead of looking at it like, no, we're creating art, you know, we're creating something mm. meaningful and something impactful or something like that, you know. Um. I don't know if that's the case with this film and what happened with that scene, but I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I said, I think that it's just done so much better later on, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of the expressionistic sentiments to it. Um, Yeah, yeah, that that is the one, that number is the one weak spot that I start to kind of lose it a little bit. Yeah. But other than that, I think it's... There's a so when you go so at Walt Disney World in Hollywood Studios, there's like um, a plaque in just as you enter the park, and it says something along the lines of um, "This park is dedicated to the Holly to the Hollywood um, that always has been but never was" or something like that. So basically, like the the idea of Hollywood, like people's perception of uh, that place. Yeah, and this film to me is like my ideal hollywood production Mm. it's big it's bright it's these people that are larger than life frank sinatra gene kelly you know big flashy musical numbers um like silly inoffensive humor it's like everything that i associate with classic hollywood in one film yeah you know um and if people were like you know i can just i can't wait to show this to my daughter you know, and that's kind of how I look at some like certain older films now is kind of I cannot wait to show this to my daughter when she's growing up and see that yeah. spark, you know, see that like wow. Cause I tried to show it to her this time, but she was like enthralled with the musical numbers, but the bits in between lost her a bit. Yeah. You know. So I'm like, okay, no biggie. We'll show it to you in a few years. Yeah. yeah. You know. But um yeah, this is what this film reminds me of, just the quintessential idyllic hollywood movie yeah 
Um, I love that's it. cool. I yeah. think I'm gonna watch this again soon. Uh, mm. with Sarah, my girlfriend. I think it's um, better than Anchors Away, personally. Anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah, because we went and saw that together. Yeah, at, uh, it was a showing that we're doing at Studio Movie Girl. Mm. That's cool. Back when we both worked there. Yeah. But um, again, you know, if you've got your Film Church Radio bingo cards ready, um, <laughs> it it's a, another film that I want to see on the big screen. You know, I want yeah. to see it with a packed audience and the the moments in between musical numbers where there's like a pause for applause. You know, yeah, you can tell I, that it was in I, there. I would like to see what what an audience's reaction to some of the weird lines in this movie are (laughs) (laughs) i wrote a few of them down there's like okay the part where what's the actor's name uh jules munchen yeah uh, the aussie character yeah he like lifts up his like pants and he's like how about some cheesecake (laughs) (laughs) it's like what does that mean he's like showing his knee do you know what that means? I don't know what that means. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one. If you know what that means, tweet us at Film Church Radio. And that's the um, only context you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go watch the film. and then, I mean, if you know what it means, you probably have seen the film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then are also like in one of the musical... <laughs> musical numbers and they're I can't even say this without laughing and they're like you can milk me dry (laughs) okay Um, and then uh, let's see what else Uh, there there was a part that I texted you about because I was like what is this guy saying because uh the there's two police and the the characters have just run from the museum and they've like knocked down a um dinosaur pre- yeah dinosaur yeah. bones and over the radio they're 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 calling these two police to come to the museum because there's been a collapse of the dinosaur mm-hmm. and the the officer says something in response and i just couldn't make out what he was saying i was like <laughs> Is this English? Like, what is yeah. he saying? And I thought he was saying, she's my favorite singer, that darnish whore. <laughs> <laughs> but as you pointed out to me, it was, uh, she's my favorite singer, um, that Dinah Shore? Is yes. that her name? Dinah okay. Shore, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, acted um, a little bit, my big kind of, crooner i guess like singer dinah yeah. Shaw. um when, which when I you mean, like at the time i'm sure people were rolling in the aisles yeah you know but now it's kind of like who, who you know i even had that? to look yeah. her up and be like is that a real person or is that just you know a joke a so, joke in there yeah yeah i was like darnish whore what? <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah just there's so many like weird kind of lines in this movie yeah those are just a a few highlights that i wrote down but (laughs) yeah it would be great to see Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. with people them they're reacting to it yeah for sure 
and laughing at, you know, Betty Garrett. Yeah. A female cab driver? How horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that scene was like... Just so over the top. I know, yeah. And it pauses for a good second as well after she says it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, she was. Dear. She's definitely probably the best. Yeah. Yeah, so film. she... I think in Take Me Out to the Ball Game, she played a similar kind of character. So she was like Sinatra's love interest in that one as well. And I think you can tell that they spent some time together because it felt when like i said at the beginning when they're on screen together it feels that's when it's like you can tell there's like chemistry yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um and do you know the other i've I've got it as our ending quote so spoiler for people that are going to listen to the end but um do you know the significance of when ozzy says who you got waiting for you ava gardner is uh no so Frank Sinatra, while making this film, was having a very steamy affair with Ava Gardner um, and then ended up marrying her later on. Oh, wait, so, ended up marrying... Ava Gardner. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so when Ozzy's like, who you got um, waiting for you in New York? Ava Gardner? Um, I, yeah, that's kind of a nod for old blue eyes being a dirty boy. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah why so was he i don't i like don't know anything about uh obviously i've i've you know heard frank sinatra's music but i don't yeah. know anything about his personal life was he like married to someone else at the time or was she married i mean i know that i know that she was married okay she was married to mickey rooney oh, before frank okay. sinatra which is um a little bit different to our blue eyes um but yeah, so yeah. she was married to him, but I'm not sure if they had divorced at this point. Yeah. But um, let me see. I'm not sure about Sinatra. I don't know a huge amount about his, you know, off-screen exploits apart from that. Yeah. Let's have a look. So, yeah, he was, I mean, he was married uh, a few times. Yeah, so he was married to Nancy Sinatra at this point. Gotcha. While this film was being made. Um, and then divorced her in 1951 and then divorced her 29th of October 1951 and married Ava Gardner 7th of November 1951. So just over a week later. Wow. And then after Ava Gardner was married to Woody Allen's ex, Mia Farrow. That's so weird. Very weird. Yeah, what a selection of spouses yeah weird it'd be an interesting person to to read about but i'm sure every book is going to be you know two thousand pages long so yeah and i'm currently undertaking a huge biography do not want to get bogged down straight away (laughs) yeah so cool well perfect do you want to go ahead and guess what well, I guess I'm just going to guess what you rated it because I think mine's pretty clear. clear. What you rated it? Yeah. I mean, did you rate it five? No, I, actually, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's four and a half. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so much for clear. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it it is that last musical number that's a bit yeah loses that I should have I should have yeah I was just but I think I've always felt like that I've always given it four and a half and it's always that one that I'm like mm, if only that was yeah. good you know or better I should say because it's still seeing you still... kind of dance in any yeah s- setting I mean, it's... is good mm-hmm. yeah yeah I'm gonna guess that you rated this three out of five I gave it three and a half nice okay cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's still good. But I'm gonna stop I'm gonna just start changing it to whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, tell me what I should rate things. <laughs> I th- I would like I to see no. your rating system. I wonder if other people would like to see Lewis's rating system. He has a yeah. very um uh detailed way that he rates things maybe we can put <laughs> it's not detailed at okay, all okay i i'm trying to figure out a way to describe it but you know maybe we could put it up on uh on a website eventually when we make one yeah yeah maybe we both could do that so people could actually go you know when they hear what we rate something they could see like what it's fallen into and why yeah yeah it took me all of 10 minutes a few months ago cuz i was like i just there's no rhyme or reason to you know where i rate things and i'm not sure i'm always kind of is it three and a half is it four because like, okay, yeah. i just need to write down like just basic feelings for each rating and if i'm like yeah. okay you know it doesn't sound like that I'm, you know whatever so yeah nice but i'm yeah, expecting happy. a whole like diagram <laughs> <laughs> it's no it's literally just a word document or a note document on my phone with like one sentence nice. <laughs> for each one. But, you know, if people want to hear it, let us know. So, Brandon, next week we are doing, we teased it last week, but mm-hmm. we are doing something a little bit different for the no. month of October. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. What um, are we doing? So we haven't, well, I don't, I don't think we've come up with a name yet for what it's going to be called. Um, Let's call it Darnish Horror. Yeah, the Darnish Hall month. So we <laughs> basically pick films starring notorious halls and we watch them. No. Um, so what we're going to do for our October <laughs> is we, we are going to um, focus on horror films. Um, and I think the vague kind of, I don't know, boundaries that we set each other are horror films that aren't necessarily the ones that you pick out every year, right? So... Halloween, Friday the 13th, kind of off the table. We're going to look at ones that maybe a little bit deeper cut. Yeah. um, And find some new gems for us both to watch and enjoy. And as it is the first episode of the month, we do have a very special guest who has very kindly picked the film that we are going to watch. Yay! So he is going to tell us what... (laughs) (laughs) let's roll the clip roll it happy sunday fellas past and future guest zach here uh to reveal the title of next week's film if i'm not mistaken this is a a motion picture uh by a director that uh you both appreciate but to the best of my knowledge neither of you have seen this one uh so next week to kick off the month of october we're going to be watching the third feature-length motion picture 
from director Peter Jackson. Originally released in 1992, it's Dead Alive, also known as Brain Dead, if you live outside North America. And since it's a New Zealand production, technically Brain Dead is the actual title of the film. Dead Alive, which is what I know it as, is the quintessential horror comedy. It's got zombies, romance, and just a teeny bit of fake blood. It's one of my all-time favorite films of any genre, and I'm really excited to watch it with you um, and discuss it with you guys. So, see you next week. Don't wait. I can't wait either. I'm Thanks, looking dude. forward to this movie. It's uh, This is a movie I've been wanting to watch for a long time, because I love Peter mm. Jackson. Yeah. I know we're going to so. say a lot about it, because he's, he's someone that has risen in my estimations more and more the more I watch and hear about him so yeah yeah i'm excited thanks i've seen a lot of his stuff but i i haven't for whatever reason it's probably because it's it's a little bit harder to find yeah i haven't seen this one yeah i'm stoked that'll be next week that is going to pick kick off pick off that is going to kick off uh horror movie month film church radio month (laughs) <laughs> we'll come up with a better name than that i promise garnish horror <laughs> or garnish <laughs> horror month <laughs> okay uh, well that's stuck that's what it's going to be called now so <laughs> oh dear well that brings us to the end of this show um you can find us the show on twitter and instagram at film church radio and you can follow us individually on letterboxd brandon is at salmon scope and i am at walker lewis 3007 um to keep up with what we've been watching and um, we also have all of our back episodes streaming on all good pa- podcast platforms um, you can hear me stumble over those words every single week please leave us a rating and review so you know if you like the film if you didn't and what you would pick for us to watch in the future and by the time we get to this point, Brandon and I always descend a little bit into craziness. Just listen back to the Point Break episode. Um, but all that's left to say, Brandon, is... Wow! Get a load of that. Not bad. Not bad? Get him, Mr. Particular. Who you got waiting for you in New York? Ava Gardner? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Bye, you Danish horror fans (laughs) don't forget to say your film church prayers amen amen bye bye